Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Habari asubui. Habari asubui. Asubui. What does that mean, Sierra? Good morning. Yes, absolutely. That was a good morning in Swahili. Good morning in Swahili. Well, thanks again for coming out today. Thank you also for the opportunity for us to share um, about uh, our ministry and the happenings this summer. Um, Last time I spoke to you was before our water can walk, which happened back in the spring. And uh, I want to thank all of you who volunteered, those of you who carried water, those who gave encouragement, and those who contributed to the annual water can walk that we had. And um, that trip enabled us to, I mean, that, that event helped us to do some great things this summer and some great things that have started and will continue on. So again, thank you for that. And you're going to hear just a little bit about how that, how that helped and, and spurred on some ministry this summer in our projects and things that we do. Um, you start the slideshow anytime. Uh, there's going to be a slideshow go through. Um, as we're speaking, and then we're going to try and bring up a few individual photographs as we tell some stories here. So uh, be patient with us. We'll do what we can, and otherwise, um, sit back and enjoy the show. Um, Brad Catron, this is my wife, Sherry, and we're co-founders of Foothold International. Uh, We're based here in Chillicothe, Ohio, but we are working in Kenya, East Africa. And hope soon, when we hope, some people say, well, international, and they say, well, where else do you work? And you say international, but you're just in Kenya. And so hopefully this next, this next summer, we might truly go international, which is something that would be really neat. And so maybe and we start have gone working. international. It's, We've been to Burundi. And... Well, yeah, we have, but I mean, actually, projects. So speaking of projects, so yeah. Um, but as far as project-wise goes, may, it may go into Tanzania. So that would be really cool if we can go there also. So, anyway, um, we also have Melanie Daddy with us, and uh, Mel has been to Kenya with us, uh, what now, three times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she went twice in 2013, and, uh, and Melanie is also um, one of our board members also. And so Mel uh, really latched on to what we do, and after she went, and she says, hey, you know, I want to get more involved. And so, so Mel helps us, uh, Mel meets with us uh, and other, our other board members um, each, every quarter, and sometimes more often, and they help us think through things and pray through us and support us and encourage us. And, uh, and Mel is a, is, a, is a vital part of Foothold International also. And then uh, this, this young lady, um, and you are? <laughs> she said pipsqueak, but you know Sierra. Sierra went with us this summer, and she was, it, was, it was a blessing to have her on the team, and God did some great things in and through her, and maybe this is just, just the beginning of her international journeys. From this point, so she may truly go international from this point. But I know that she still likes serving here in her hometown and someplace called New York. But that's that's great. Wherever she can serve, it was great to see God do some things through her. You're going to hear a little bit from her also. So uh, what do we do? Um, we uh, again, it's discipleship and community development. Uh, along the lines of community development, we have found an area that. Uh, that, that we've been able to, to work in, and it's called WASH, Water Sanitation and Hygiene. That's the global name for water sanitation and hygiene, of course, WASH. And, uh, you know, we've, we've found that if, as we concentrate on that, there are healthier lives. 
and through education and healthier lives, and people can worship more, kids can go to school, and lots of great things can happen. So you're going to hear a little bit about what's going on in that, in that area here today also. So um, we're going to kind of do a little bit of an interview here and with our time and uh, just allow each of us to speak a little bit about um, how, what we saw God do in and, through the, in and through the trip. But before we get to that, um, Mel, um, I know that one thing that we, one thing that we always do is, is uh, we, you know, we, when, when we train teams, we start training about five months out. Um, by the time you get on that plane to go with us, we want you, we want you actually asking yourself the question, why am I even going? We want you empty. We want you literally saying, why am I even going? Questioning that. And that's a good place to be. Because if you step on that plane knowing exactly what you're going to do and what your agenda you have for God to do through you, then it's, might not, it might not happen or you're going to miss something. And so we tell people also, we tell them, you know, don't set any expectations, right? <laughs> don't set any expectations. Well, you, you might look at me and say, how can you do that? You know, because... No matter how hard we try not and have expectations, we have expectations, don't we? And so, um, but, uh, but Mel, um, what were your expectations going into this trip? <laughs> you didn't tell me I was going to be interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> he said something about loving each other today. <laughs> um, well, being that this was my third trip, um, my third trip with you, but it's my f like fifth mission trip. Um, um, I knew um, I wanted to leave myself open. Um, you know, I've come home from every trip learning something different. And I never would know what that's going to be when I get on the plane. Um, so I will say that this trip, I had perfect peace that I was meant to go on this trip, whereas times before I've, I've struggled with that. And so um, um, God always shows up and um, teaches me something. And so I think um, I expect, I know that I'm going to uh, be touched in some way. I just never know how much. You just can't, you can't comprehend it. You can't prepare for it. Did our schedule go to plan? No, never does. Did our transportation always work out? No, never does. Never does. <laughs> never, ever, ever, ever does. Sierra, same question. Um, we told you to have no expectations, but obviously you had some you probably didn't share with us. But were you empty when you got on the plane? Were you? Were you? Were you? Did you have expectations? Um, I would say when I first started training with you guys, I did have expectations. Um, by the time that I was getting on the plane, I was sitting there on the plane thinking, God, why me? <laughs> why am I going on this trip? Why, why did you pick me? Because I don't feel like I should be on this trip right now. But obviously, you have a plan. Um, I would say I really didn't have expectations. I tried my hardest not to, but I think this time it wasn't me. It was honestly God just, like, emptying me out of everything that I had expected from my prior trips and, um... I honestly wasn't at the best place when I started on this trip, so it was kind of um, hard to connect with God going into this trip. So, so 
we also, as we go into the field, we also, uh, while we're in the field, we start preparing people when they come home. And we say, you know, hey, people are going to ask you, when, when you see people at church, when you see people on the street, or when you have friends or family, people are going to, the first question that people are going to ask you is, oh, how was your trip? That's the first question you, you hear a lot of the times. In fact, I heard this morning, how was your trip? How was your trip? And so... If any of you have been on a short term or even long term in the field, you know that um, when somebody asks you that question, there's a, you just want to unload. You just want to unload and say, and really say to them, how much time do you have? <laughs> I mean, do you really have, do you really have enough time to hear everything that, that, that I'm processing right now? Do you really have enough time to hear everything that God is doing? And, and, and no, you don't always, and, and we understand that. And we, but it's important for us to process, and we, and we prepare people to do that. And Sherry and I have to process, even though we go back and forth, we have to, it's, it's, it's coming back into this culture and processing time after time after time again what God did. It's readjusting the culture, and it's difficult, and, and, some, and it takes, there's no time limit on it. It can take weeks. It, sometimes it can take months, but it's, it's, it can be very difficult. And so, um, Sierra, um, we ask you to have a couple different versions of your trip. And Mel, we ask you to have, you've been through this before, we've asked you to have different versions of your trip. The long version, which can take up to hours, maybe a 15-minute version, and, if, and, and a, maybe a three-minute version, okay? And so, but today, I'm going to ask you, Mel, um, can you give us a, about a five-minute version, five- to seven-minute version of 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 something that you saw God do, that he did in you, or how did it, how did it bring glory to him? Okay. And you have pictures of that. Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, well, that, the, 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 okay, okay. Okay, well, Brad's question to me when he contacted me a few days ago was, um, you know, pick one defining moment, one experience of the trip, and how the one that impacted you the most, and um, I, that's impossible for me. I took about a thousand pictures and videos while I was there, and we would be here all day for me to tell you how the trip impacted me. Um, so I thought about if I could describe it in one word, um, and clearly to me the word was obedience, and I saw it six months ago when I started preparing for this trip out of Sherry and Brad. Um, uh, you know, last night I was thinking about it and um, two things came to mind. Love the Lord with all your heart and love thy neighbor as yourself. And for 18 days in Africa, um, I feel like I was surrounded by people um, that, that sh showed me that constantly, you know, young people, old people, um, uh, but in particular, there were two couples, and that, of course, would be Brad and Sherry, um, and I think about, uh, it was the first thing I wrote in my journal, how much faith it takes, how obedient you have to be to totally change your life, um, and, and they did, and that's how Foothold International was born. And because, you know, they were obedient and faithful, 
um, that is shown halfway around the world to their neighbors, you know. Um, that love is expressed through their obedience and faithfulness to God first. And that's the most important part. And because of that, there are there is a group in, in Africa, in Kenya, that their health is compromised because they're fighting an ugly disease called HIV. And they get to have clean water because it's vital for their living um, because of biosand water filters, because somebody stepped out in faith, because somebody was obedient. Um, they didn't know that group of people. They know them now, and they're our friends. Um, because they stepped out in faith, there is a primary school whose attendance is up 25% because there's a biosand water filter in their school so that kids don't have to drink contaminated water. Um, they didn't know that school existed years ago, and yet because they stepped out and were obedient to God's call, they know them now. Um, and kids and lives are being saved because of it. Um, there is um, a, a man with a young family, and um, don't look at me, I'll cry. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. There's a man with a young family, and there is a, a woman with six kids who have an, an income now, a way to support their families because they stepped out in faith. Um, there is a, I met a woman with four young kids, and there's a picture of her in their living conditions, and, um, yeah, um, because of Foothold International, she is a GOAT recipient, which means she has a way to provide for those children that she didn't have before. And if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, we're, like the day after I got home from Africa, were four goats born to the goat, the Foothold Goat Ranch? Yeah. Yeah, I know. You said. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. St. Norbert's school and some of the kids out front. Yeah, you've heard us talk about the goat ranch and our, our vision. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and our vision to, uh, to get our own breeding stock. And it was just amazing because our general manager, Charity, because of her, her diligence, I mean, she made it happen. And uh, she brought those does in to our place, and, uh, and things happened. And three were born the night before. Three. and then, Yeah, and then, and then one was born literally while I was there. So it was so great to see that. So, so now families are going to receive those dairy goats. It's neat. And you mentioned charity. Um, Brad and Sherry um, are so faithful in their prayer. Um, and I think through that prayer, God has led them to Pastor Samson and Charity. And you've never met Charity, but she'll be the one that's hugging a child in every picture you see here and has a huge smile from ear to ear. But these people are so faithful and so obedient and so... Um, work so hard. They're nonstop helping their neighbor, loving their neighbor. Um, while we were there, we had the opportunity to um, serve some elderly people um, who have no food, and you'll see some pictures of their living conditions. And um, Pastor Sampson went and got the food for them, and, and we took it out. And um, the first thing he told us was, 
their homes are infested with bed bugs and they have problems with, you know, he named several things. One has cataracts so bad he can't see, but no money to go to the eye doctor. Um, and you know, the American in me shuddered when I heard bed bugs, you know? It's not something I wanna take home with me, but you know, I watched them. I learned from their example. They don't, they don't care. They walk right up, they walk right in, they hug, they, they love on those people, and those people are made to feel important. And um, I'll never forget one man saying, um, I am so blessed. And he didn't even have a bed to lay his head on. I mean, he was sleeping on a hard cement floor. And he looked and he said, I am so blessed. And, um, you know, um, just to, to be able to connect with them. And, and they are cherished friends. But I have learned from them how I want to treat people and how I want to, um, you know, let everybody know that they're loved. Love every neighbor. Um, and so I say these things. Um, not to toot Brad and Sherry's horn because they wouldn't want it. They are very humble people. Um, but I say it to thank God, number one, for the opportunity, but to thank God for them and to thank them um, for helping me in my walk and in my, my growth and for um, you know, teaching me to be obedient and faithful in um, I just, I love you guys, so. Thanks, Mel, and um, we passed a picture a little bit ago. There's a, there's a, we're standing with uh, some friends of ours called Morris and Monica. If you could go back a couple of slides. Keep going. Uh, keep going. Right there. Monica there in the middle, and Morris on the end, and uh, they live near the town of Chala where we work, and, uh, and uh, they're HIV positive, and uh, we met them about four years ago, and it's always such a blessing to go back and visit them every year, because when you go back, you can walk in, and their biosand filters are, well, at least one of them, well, <laughs> the biosand filters experienced some issues. One, a house caved in. Monica's house literally caved in due to rains and wind. And then Morris, I believe that Monica is his landlord, and Monica came to take some of the building materials from his house to build another house. So Morris is in kind of a, he's in some sticks and some rice bags, and his biosand filter is very well buried, instant, per perfectly protected outside, where he still goes and gets his clean water. And then Monica's gonna be getting another biosand filter, of course, because hers was destroyed, no fault of hers. But um, it's so great to, sit, to go see them year after year. We sat in Monica's house, and I, was just, I, I just thought, wow, you know, more, more than six billion people in this world. And I'm sitting right here with, with, with these people. You know, we could have been anywhere else in the world, but we're there, and we get this awesome chance to go back and visit these people and introduce these people to other people because Morris and Monica touch lives. And they are great, great, great people, and uh, just love them. And uh, I could go on about them, but Sierra? Well, could I say something? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say, um, first of all, we went to St. Norbert's school because I had to go to the bathroom. 
So, and that's how we <laughs> just, <laughs> well, initially that we didn't know it existed until I had to go to the bathroom. So whenever they use their bathroom and then we discovered the incredible need there and they've, they've been a great, um, it's just great to partner with them. And the next thing is, is that I just want to say that there were several moments on the trip where Mel, I just felt like you just grabbed me and you just were like, just, you know, we're here, we're experiencing this, we're together, like just reminding me to just hold tight to those moments and just to feel the honor, the privilege, and the humility of being a part of some of these moments that just took our breath away. And so thank you for stopping me sometimes, grabbing me, and reminding me to take a deep breath and to hold on to those, those moments. So, Sierra, do you have a five to seven minute version of, of what you saw God do, or is it going to take all day? It would take all day, but I've narrowed it down to one story because <laughs> I learned so much on this trip. Yeah, very good. Um, but this right here, um, this little girl, um, her name is Simei. One thing you have to know is that I don't know her name because I got to talk to her. I didn't get to talk to her because there was a big language barrier and we couldn't understand each other at all. Um, so I asked Charity to ask her what her name was and of course, Charity translated, and I found out that her name was Simei. Other than that, I never had any verbal conversation with this little girl. Um, and this is the moment in my trip when I realized that um, in the Bible when it says God is the God of every nation, this is what he's talking about. Even though there's language barriers and there's things that keep us apart, even our clothing, <laughs> our skin, we're completely different but God is still the God of this little girl. And um, this little girl grabbed my heart from the start. Um, so when we would walk outside our house in Africa, kids would crowd around all the time and just scream, Mazungu, Mazungu, <laughs> which means white person. <laughs> and, um, and they'd ask, how are you? Now, these kids, they didn't do that because they didn't know our language. They couldn't ask us how we were. They didn't yell Muzungu like the rest of the kids did. They just followed us around. <laughs> and um, these little kids, they would come up and shake my hand because they wanted to touch me. They, I was a white person. This was new to them. They'd never seen a white person in their life, and they just wanted to shake my hand. And this <laughs> little girl, Sime, every time another kid would come up and shake my hand, she'd be right there to shake my hand again. And then another kid would come up and shake my hand. And she'd be right there to shake my hand again. <laughs> and she just followed me around. And um, at one point, I just grabbed her hand. And as we walked, I just held her hand. And she just kept smiling up at me and just kept smiling up at me. Like, you noticed me. <laughs> I, I'm real. <laughs> you, you see that I have a purpose. And even though she couldn't verbalize that because we had this language barrier, you could see it in her eyes <laughs> and just through her every movement. And um, before we left, I went up to her and I just felt the need to hug this little girl. <laughs> and so I went and I hugged her. And when I hugged her, she was so stiff. Like she'd never been hugged in her entire life. And at first I was a little worried that maybe I'd made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have hugged her. Maybe that was a bad idea. 
Um, but when I pulled away, she had this ginormous smile on her face, and the lights that shone in her eyes were something that I had never seen before. And just that I'd taken the moment to just hold her, you know? <laughs> like, she was real, and she was real to me, and she was precious to me, just like she's precious to God. And even as precious that she is to me, she's so much more precious to God. And coming home from this trip, I felt a lot like Sime. You know, like the first time in my life I'd really been embraced by God, and that I really realized this love that was so incomprehensible to me and how deep his grace runs. And if he could love this little girl that spoke Swahili and not my language, <laughs> he can love me too for all my faults and all my mistakes and even this little kid that showed me what it was like to be real. God used that, you know? And even as all the kids crowded around, this one girl just grabbed my heart. And it's so funny that I felt like her after I came back, you know, like, because I feel like a child again, relearning what it is to be a person, relearning what it is to have a purpose and to be recognized by God. So that's my trip wrapped in a little story. <laughs> There's something else that happened when we went out to visit the elderly at the, uh, at the plantation. And... Um, the last house we visited, there was a young lady there about your age, I believe. Can you tell us just quickly a little bit about that? Um, so we were talking to them, and of course Charity was our translator again, and um, Charity was trying to figure out a way that this girl could get a job and make money for her mom so that they could have food. Um, but as we sat there and we talked to them and just interacted with them, her mom looked at us and she said, I feel like I'm remembered again. And that just really touched me, just the way that, you know, like a simple act of just visiting them. They had felt like they'd been forgotten by their own people. And even though we were white, it didn't matter that we were white. It just mattered that we were there to be there for them. And that one really touched me a lot too. <laughs> yeah, this place that uh, Sierra was talking about where the young lady is, and Mel briefly touched on it. Um, the area where we work in Tiveto was a former um, sisal plantation some years ago. And so um, then the, uh, the owners of the plantation set up these little one-room concrete bungalows. And um, there might be four of them all together, but they're literally just one room. So the people living in this area... Um, Total, I'd say there's probably 20 or 30, but there's only about eight or eight or 10 of these houses that even have a roof on them. And so um, these people have, they can they can go out and do some jobs. The, the, the young lady that Sarah was talking about, she, she does, and she does hand washes laundry all day long for various people for just maybe about not even 15, 20 cents a day. And so here she is, she's wanting to be a cosmetologist. She's wanting to learn how to, you know, cut hair and style hair. But yet she's, she's out here helping to support her mom because the father has, has left and gone up country. And so she's just there by herself. And so just to bring a, a five, you know, $5 worth of, of maize so that they can make chapatis to have, have a meal for the next five or six days, they were just so thankful. And it's amazing how just that little bag of maize or, or uh, cornmeal can, can, can change a life. But these people were so grateful. 
And uh, I'm looking forward to just building relationships with these people and going back from time to time. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Sherry. Yeah, I felt like going to visit them. Most of them were elderly, um, could, were, were in a physical state where they couldn't work, and were just living in this really, some of the worst conditions I've yet to experience there. Uh, and that was another moment where Mel grabbed me. Like, and I think we both kind of took our breath. And we intentionally didn't take pictures there because we didn't want to exploit. We didn't want, we felt like they were, we wanted to take pictures carefully that were honoring of them and not just showing how dire their situation was. Um, so that was something that, um, yeah, it was one of those moments that we were introduced to people that we're not going to forget. We're going to be remembering, we're going to be praying, we're going to be following up. I want to say, too, about Sierra. If you notice in this picture, her, her hair is in braids. And um, even everything about being a white American walking around in Kenya is awkward. Like, we just, we're awkward. We're just, we don't fit in. We don't fly under the radar. I mean, we just stand out like sore thumbs. And so, um, but Sierra was, she blended in as much as possible. And people really, she had her hair in braids and she would wrap her hair the way the ladies do. And, and she learned a lot of the Swahili words. And that really was like, they were really impressed by that. And I think that was something real testimony to, to Sierra's humility and her openness to, um, people really were drawn to that because she didn't just stand off and be American, but she really immersed herself in the cultures and the customs. And, and I think that was really empowering to the people there. Um, um, so thank you for that, Sierra. I think that's one of the reasons they followed you, because in this particular area, the children typically are afraid of us. Um, they're very traditional. They're very isolated. Um, the Messiah are, are very proud. And this is a testimony to the work that Pastor Isaiah, who um, we're working with at the SOAP Project, has really done a lot of work to um, empower the women, to um, break down a lot of the traditions that are very oppressive, very abusive towards women and children. And so um, he's a pretty amazing um, partner that we've formed a new relationship with. So if you could go to, is it my turn now or are you, you're saying something? Okay. If you could go, there's a picture of me leaning over a jerry can, like stirring it. I wanted to start with that picture because this was probably the worst day. It started off with so much hope and so much expectation. I was so excited um, to finally be, I mean, this has been building up for about a year and a half, this the soap making group. <clears throat> and so um, so we had a group of women who, who came around. There was all this community. We were laughing and singing and, you know, just there was so much excitement. And, um, <clears throat> and there's me. Um, and one roadblock after another roadblock, like everything seemed to be <laughs> becoming more and more complicated as the day went on. And at one point, there's a picture that Mel did not include that she said was going to be for my eyes only. There's a, there's a part in the day when, in my sheer excitement, um, I was taking this oil that I thought was palm oil, and I'm actually, like, rubbing it on. And we're laughing and just joking around and rubbing oil on our faces and our hands. And, and you know, <clears throat> it just shows you. I, I think this picture really hit me this morning, that God does not choose the wise <laughs> of the world. And 
He chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. And so for some people who know that I go to Africa, they assume that there's like something going on upstairs that makes me kind of special to be able to do that. And I just want to say that's not the case because this particular story was a mess. And so um, oftentimes when God calls me into a new territory, he begins my journey with a humiliating experience. And so this day was humiliating and utterly depressing. We ended that day, and Charity, who's one of my favorite people in the world, who's so positive, who always like, get it done, get it done, get it done. At the end of the day, she was in our house in tears. Um, We sat on the couch together and cried because we had spent a good amount of money that we had raised through the soap that I had sold, that some of you have, have bought and helped support. And so it appeared at the end of the day that we had bought something that was, was fake. And so the oil that I was smearing on myself and other people was a chemical byproduct of the palm processing <laughs> agent. It smelled awful. It didn't look right. Um, and Charity and I kept, with all the hope and excitement, kept pushing ourselves on, going, yeah, it's okay. We'll just heat it up a little bit more. We'll just stir it a little bit more. It'll be okay. And we kept saying, oh, the smell smells not too bad. Maybe it just needs um, another stirring. We'll just keep stirring it. We just stirred the heck out of this um, oil. So, um, but at the end of the day, we um, knew something wasn't right. And we started doing some research. And I went to an internet cafe to, to try to figure out what was wrong with this oil. And got home with no answers. And Brad takes one quick look on Google Images and finds it. And we, we discovered that we had been sold something that appeared to be counterfeit. Um, so at the end of the day, not only we felt like we were out, how much, how much money? It's about... That was about, the, between the oil and all the supplies, it was about $400, but there's, there's a redemption to this. <laughs> yeah, there is a redemption. So, but anyway, but there is a picture somewhere of me smearing this in such an obnoxious way. So I want to say that, too, that I don't have any corner on the mission market by any means. And God does not call us perfect. He doesn't wait till we're perfect and we've got it figured out. He doesn't wait until all the ducks are in order and all the things are taken care of. He calls us right now where we are as imperfect and silly and sometimes prideful and sometimes too eager and sometimes just absolutely foolish. Um, So that's what this story was. So if you want to kind of continue through the pictures. Um, There was redemption. Brad, do you want to talk a little bit about that redemption or do you want me to continue? Go, go, okay. go. I'll, just, I'll just add in. Okay. Well, this was this was a better day of soap making. It turned out kind of pretty, um, and so um, we discovered we thought we were being we thought we were being swindled, basically, which is a common thing that happens in Kenya. We thought that the money we had invested was was wasted. We thought we were we thought the project was pretty much finished. And so um, Pastor Samson um, got on the phone with um, the owner or the manager, come to find out it was, there was a misunderstanding, and he simply sent us the wrong product. Uh, and he offered to give us a credit or a refund, which is not very common in Kenya. Um, so the project was saved in that way, but we went through, and I think this is just a common theme in my own life, is that God starts off with a, with a story of, <laughs> of foolishness to remind me that I don't have it figured out. And as much as I want to control the outcomes, as much as I want to prepare everything, and I want everything to be perfect, I want it to be just right time and just the right place, that God just calls us to jump off that cliff 
Um, and as much as I thought I had things figured out, um, I didn't. So if you want to kind of keep going through those pictures, it's fine. Um, so this was another picture going back to Mel's. This is Pastor Samson in one of those homes, uh, just kind of referencing the pictures. And you just kind of keep going through. And then if you stop at this picture, um, this was one of those. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, one of the struggles I had on this trip was that I'm an amateur soap maker, but I feel like I, I'm kind of a perfectionist. And I was going there to teach these ladies how to do it. And so my heart was not to be my controlling OCD self, but to really be a partner with them and empower them. And so it was my heart that we would find local resources, that we would find local people who would really embrace this and that I would not, <laughs> I would not be too controlling. So this was us visiting. We went, visited the Maasai people, um, and we decided to start our soap project out in their remote area. And this is a natural spring. And so we, I always got a chance to put my hands in the natural spring, which is salty. And that's actually, typically it is a detriment. The saltiness of the water makes it not very palatable. It's not high enough that it can't be, it can still be, you can still drink it. It's more a matter of just taste that doesn't taste great. Um, but in this case, for soap making, it was actually a benefit. It makes the soap more cleansing and makes it more um, gentle and nourishing for the skin. So something that was kind of a detriment actually became a resource. So this was kind of a symbol to me of how God brought that around. So, um, Anything else? We went, visited, when we were out at the Maasai area where Sierra was talking, we met um, a group of ladies, and they invited us in, and they served us lunch, and Pastor Isaiah had um, prepared them. He said there was a group of ladies who were just ready for a project, and I thought, okay, well, let's talk to them. And so we shared our soap. We had made some soap. We passed it around, and the lady said, um, you know, we formed our group, and we've been praying for some time, and we were just waiting waiting for the project. We didn't know where to start, and here you are. And so in all of that mess and all of the delays and all the things that were unexpected, um, God brought us there in that particular moment where they were waiting for us. Um, we, didn't go, we didn't even have that date planned in our agenda to go there. And so because we were open and because we were flexible, we got to kind of just that moment that we're at work, where our ideas and our thoughts and our plans just intersected with what God was preparing these women for. So, um, so we can kind of keep going through those pictures. I want to see if there's anything else to kind of keep going through those. And this is Pastor Isaiah. I want to stop with that. Um, he's done an incredible work in his community um, to fight HIV. He... He is a mover and a shaker, and he empowers his people, and he uses those local resources instead of looking for outsiders. And so um, he embodies what so much Foothold believes, is that the gospel permeates every part of our lives. It redeems our, it redeems our future, but it also redeems our present. And so he um, bears so much fruit of that kind of rehabilitation in people's lives. So I'll let you. Yeah, I've got a microphone. What am I doing? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I the, can just interrupt him. The, the palm oil that we received, it was a little <laughs> different in color than what she was expecting, what she saw in Burundi and what she uses back here. And that palm oil, actually, uh, as I looked it up, um, it was used typically, although it is a byproduct, it does have one good use. It makes industrial laundry soap, and it also is used in making biodiesel. 
So, you know, yeah, you everything, want that rubbed on your skin. everything can be done with this oil. But then they went ahead and made some soap with a little bit of it anyway. Mm -hmm. And it came out and Sherry said, no, don't use that for anything. But after about three days, after that saponification process finished out and the bar got really good and firm, I just smelled it. And it didn't take, have the smell of what it was when it was in its liquid form. It smelled exactly like the laundry soap that you buy there <laughs> in the local markets. And so Charity just took that soap, and she didn't care. She was washing floors with it, washing clothes with it, and everything. And I gave so her something gloves good to wear, did though. come out of that. So, huh? <laughs> I did give her gloves to wear. Yeah. I, I can't speak to what's in that oil. <laughs> but we did get the right kind of oil, and the and the soap was 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 made. And so, did you have anything else? Or? Okay. Time, and you can circulate through the photos from here. We'll close out here. Um, seems like a theme every year. To what God's doing in our in the ministry, and what, and when we come back from from Kenya, and when we we share and we think about what God's done, and there seems to be something specific that He's talking about. And we've talked about relationships, we've talked about community, uh, but this year it seemed to be we started leaning more towards commitment. Uh, we want to say the word accountability, but that sounds kind of like everybody uses accountability nowadays. But if you think about it, in 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 accountability, there is commitment. You can't have accountability without commitment to accountability, right? And so that's kind of the theme for the year, and that'll be the theme for our fundraiser banquet coming up at September 28th of this year, or whatever that last Thursday is. I got to get that date, but uh, that'll be the theme of it. And so we just seen this. We just saw this unfold time after time after time. Is is that since we've been going to Tavata since 2011? We've been forging relationships. You know, we never envisioned renting a house. We never envisioned buying a motorbike. We never envisioned, you know, we, we in, in the former ministry we were with, we went to different places all the time. But we felt that God was calling us to commit, commit, commit to this area. And you know what? Over the last few years, just as in any relationship, you know, there's going to be bittersweet moments in relationships. You're going to have good times. You're going to have bad times. And there's going to be times when we just look at each other and we say, you know what? I love you, but it's time we, we move on. You know, we have, to, we have to go our different ways. And that happens, and that can, can be expected. But good things come out of it. And we've seen God just continually bring, you know, other people into our lives, into the ministry that, that we can work with to, to further his further his kingdom. Some great things beyond, I mean, just these are, these are stories that went on, and they were just, they were amazing things that God did, but just an update on the projects and the various things that, that we're doing. Um, Biosand is still going very well. Uh, we, say, we say slowly but surely, but it is, it is going on, um, and we're looking to expand Biosand this fall. We want to take a Biosand project out to the Maasai camp where we're making the soap because we want we need to be able to purify that water to put in the soap and so um, we're going to use biosand filters to do that and also as we start that project that'll be another income generating program for a, a couple or a group that can begin build, using these filters for their community which is a great thing and um, I'm excited to see how it'll go because we've, we've always wanted to expand that biosand filter project. And I think God's given us an opportunity with this Maasai community. And um, speaking of the Maasai um, and relationships and commitment, um, that was one of the first places we went in 2000, well, when I initially went to Tiveta in 2010 under another ministry. We planted a church with the, with, in the Maasai community. 
And, and, and during that time, we, uh, we took a veterinary team from Auburn University that treated the animals that those men own. And through that, it opened up an opportunity for us to forge an even deeper relationship we didn't know was going to come out of it. Um, so just in treating those animals, their livelihood, um, great things came out of that. We went on to do an HIV test clinic among those people. We expected the HIV rate to be high, especially among men. We didn't expect any men to show up in 2013 to that clinic, but more than half of the people that showed up were men. And I am so glad to say, because these men, they'll take their herds miles and miles and miles away. They'll leave the women and children home and go graze their cattle, and they'll be gone for months. And so men do sometimes what men do when they travel out like that, and so we were expecting those HIV rates to be high. And guess what? Out of 76 people, there were only one, and it was, and it was a woman who did not, was not Maasai. She lived outside the camp. And so Pastor Isaiah is doing great things because even for us to even bring the possibility of men getting tested for HIV among the Maasai, uh-uh, that was a God thing. And Sherry could go on for a day about that and how that worked out. But God forged that relationship, and we didn't know what else we'd do with them. But then now came the opportunity for soap making. The school, St. Norbert's, that has the biosand filter, we talked about the um, attendance rate going up, the Maasai children go to that school. And so now that group of 10 ladies received a microloan of $350, which they were going to pay back at an equivalent of $10 a month, but they're anticipating paying it back quicker. Because that group of Maasai ladies, they, the name of the church there is called Zion Destiny Church. That's Pastor Isaiah's church, Zion Destiny. And so these ladies decided to name their group Zion Destiny Nemalak. What does Namalak mean, Sherry? Something sweet. Something sweet. So these, the, the Maasai ladies had the group uh, with charities training, and Sherry went out and talked with them and helped train them partially. Um, they are going to be, they've already made their first batch of soap. The supplies went out there the other day. And so now on Monday and Tuesday, they're going to make their first big batch of soap, which is going to make about 117 bars. Those bars are going to be cut up, and they're going to sell them to ladies in their community. It's 170. 170. Okay, yeah. So they're going to sell them to the ladies in the community. That's going to help support that soap shop, the money that they get from They're going to learn how to make laundry soap. They're going to learn how to make bath soap, all the different products that they won't have to go anywhere to, to buy, but they can buy right there. And so not only that, but that soap shop is also going to supply the soap for those schools. Because when we bring a biosand filter, everything in wash begins with clean water, okay? And so we put in the clean water, then we bring the soap. And so um, what we're looking to do is, is uh, at, at, with, with our soap operations is, is you have your community soap and then you have your school soap. And so how's the school soap going to get paid for? Well, the school soap, we're, we're, we're almost at 99% positive that our relationship with Pacha Soap out of Hastings, Nebraska will go through. And when you buy a bar of Pacha Soap, a portion of the proceeds goes towards what they call Raise the Bar. And then Raise the Bar partners with people like us who work in the field. So when you buy a bar of their soap, a portion of that will go to hopefully our soap shop that will then, they buy it from us, and then that soap goes into the schools. 
But Pachasop is not does not want to partner with us and say, hey, we're going to be a partner forever at this same school. We're going to continue to buy the soap. No. Pachasop, they they want us to have a buyout program to where that buyout program says that over a period of four years, you've got to get these parents to buy into this project or buy into the SOAP program at the school because the parents need to own it. And so over a period of time, it'll start out with maybe the equivalent of five cents a month that the parents will give per, you know, each parent will give. And then it'll eventually go up to the equivalent of about 20 to 25 cents a, a month that the parents will give so that the kids can have this simple thing of, of hand soap that will lives. Uh, so soap is a big thing. It's moving on and uh, looking forward to starting more groups. And we'll, so we'll have two groups going. We'll have the Maasai group and Charity will have her group. And so uh, looking forward to how that's going to go. And then um, finally, uh, coming up here in, um, toward the end of August, um, Charity, our general manager, and um, one of our, uh, and, and a, a local seamstress in the area are going to travel to uh, just north of Nairobi. They're going to uh, spend about three days with an organization that has been um, making um, um, hygiene kits for girls, for schoolgirls. I mentioned a little bit about this, and so um, some funds have came in to get the training done and everything, and so I'm just really looking forward to how this is going to work out. In this program, with these, with these hygiene kits for girls, these girls will lose a, a month to month and a half of school a year because of their monthly cycles, and that just shouldn't be because they can't afford the disposable products, so they just don't go to school. They stay home and they work. Well, when they stay home and work, they become a, a greater value to the parents than they do with an education. So they say, stay home. These Maasai girls, as they grow, the charity was, that, that, that Sierra was with, if they're not going to that school, they're helping to milk the cows and do the laundry. And if they stay home, they become more of a value. And then when they stay home, they're taken out. And then next thing you know, at about 14, maybe 15 years old, they're married. And so this is what happens, and we want to be a part of breaking this cycle. So we've, we're dreaming of ways to make this project sustainable, that with these, 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 the, the, uh, the, the hygiene products, they require just sewing and the materials. And so um, we're looking into ways and making how we can make this sustainable. There's, with the Maasai, we didn't realize it, they have a couple sewing machines out there. So we can buy the material initially to help get them started, and they can begin making sanitary pads for these girls in these schools. And so that the girls of their community can stay in school and not have to stay home and just become another part of, of, of the society that just that, that never goes anywhere. So we can be a great make a great impact on that future. Um, so that's going on. Anything else? Um, just very quickly, I know our time is up. Um, two big things that we we left that trip knowing that are they seemingly impossible things, but two things we need to raise funds for. Number one is the bread, and I need to go back in the fall. Um, so we desperately need to raise funds for that. And the second thing is, is we need to raise funds for a vehicle. Um, that became... We had a near scare um, with using a vehicle there, and we've been praying about that since Mary started praying about that last year when she was with us, and all the challenges we face when we have to rent vehicles and use other people's vehicles. It's time <laughs> for us to move forward with that. So we'd really um, just covet your prayers. Um, those two things are going to be tough, 
um, together at the same time, but we know that, um, you know, God's in those big things that seem impossible. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, thank you so much. And transportation is one of those great expenses for, for us. And it's, uh, you know, you not only have the flight over, that's, you're always going to have that. But while we're in country, to and from the airport, and, and the transportation that we have to use to get from one place to another, because I'm not talented enough to put these three ladies on the back of the motorbike. Some guys are, but I can't do that yet. And with their luggage, yeah, so I can't do that yet, so I'd like something on four wheels. And we're not looking at buying a brand new vehicle. We're looking at something like what they, well, we used to have them here, a Toyota Hilux pickup truck. So it would be like a smaller Toyota pickup with a, like a king cab and a small bed in it. Because we're, you know, at times, like, like this year, our t- just transportation alone runs about 850 to $900. And that's because we have to hire these vehicles. And when we do, that, that cuts into to the work that we do. We've rented a house. That's cut out our hotels. That's helped us in, in meals. So we've just slashed that budget completely. So having a vehicle would be a, would be a great help to this ministry. It won't just be used by us. It could be used by charity as she goes to and from and runs the, uh, the soap operations and manages our day-to-day affairs. And I'm real happy to say, I am real happy to say that as, as God's opened up opportunities for these projects there in Kenya, charity was only working for us two days a week. We told her, you're, you're only two days a week. This is all that you need at this point. But we know she was putting in more time than that. So guess what? This summer... She said, I need to put in more time. And I said, yes, you do, Charity. And so Charity has now gone to four days a week. And so we have Clara and Darius and Sarah who are working full-time out at the Biosan Project. Or Sarah's part-time, but Darius and Clara work five days a week. So we pay their wages each month. And now Charity has gone to, five to, and gone to four days. And we can see her going to five and maybe six days in the near future. So we have some needs out there. There are families to support. You're not just supporting Sherry and I. You're not just, it's, 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 it's going to great things. We're providing incomes for family and changing communities. I'm done. <laughs> I could go all day, but uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Outside, we have some of Sherry's soap out there that you can see and uh, some information a little bit more about what we've been doing. So again, we covet your prayers. We thank you so much for your partnership and your encouragement. We love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.